Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast and a special pod today at debriefing what has been the most extraordinary week at Guernsey 2023. The Island Games have been and gone and what an impact um, they have made and what an impact team Guernsey have made. Um, to look back on it all and what it means and look ahead to what's to come. Uh, I'm joined by uh, three guys who've worked very hard as well over the last week. Gareth Prevo, against Press Sports Editor. Hi, Tony. Uh, Matt Fallais, who was, uh, well, head of news for the Island Games this week. Hi, Tony. And Simon Delery, who's been at the swimming pool every night and, uh, and around the games as well. Hello. Uh, fantastic uh, to be here looking back on what has been, as I say, just the most extraordinary few days for the island. Um, I mean, we knew it was going to be good. Anyone who's experienced the Island Games before, you know, knows what it's all about. I think, though, what was delivered over that week um, has blown any expectations out of the water uh, and has yeah, probably sort of changed the mood of the whole island. Um, Gareth, let me come to you first just for some initial thoughts on what we've seen. Um, you've been to a lot of games. Uh, I mean, when it all kind of got wrapped up on Friday night, what was the sort of overbearing emotions and, and, and thoughts for you? Um, the overbearing emotion was pride. I mean, I'm, I'm a very proud Guernseyman, born and bred, but um, I think just just the way Guernsey as an island and as a population got behind the Games, not just behind our own athletes and what have you, but the the support they showed for everyone there. I mean, it started at that opening ceremony. When you turned up, you just saw the amount of people wandering around town well in advance of the actual ceremony beginning. You just thought this could be something special this week, and it proved to be that case. And, um, yeah, one word I'd use to sum up the, just my whole week was atmosphere. It was just fantastic to be out there, and as many different venues as you get to, all you see was people supporting. I mean, being out on Lancrest on Friday night, uh, Friday afternoon in the horrendous weather, and yet there were still hundreds of people out there supporting. It was just incredible. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a very special game. I mean, I've been, been away to, I think, seven or eight games before, and they're, they're all great occasions, but I've never quite seen the numbers, the sheer numbers turning out to support and enjoy the sport. And, uh, yeah, that's going to that's gonna stay with me probably for the rest of my career and, and life. It was great. Yeah, and Dell, as I say, you spent a lot of the week at the swimming, certainly in the evenings. Um, what did you make of, of, of what you experienced last week? Well, actually, I, I, I put my hand up to do the swimming because I'd heard that the atmosphere at the, at the, at the swimming was great in an island games. It was actually a couple of days in that I realised that from the dim distant past that it was you who told me that <laughs> many, many uh, games ago. Um, and uh, yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. I was just talking to somebody uh, last night who'd been unable to get in and had gone round to the theatre on, on the night that they went. I think it was the Monday night. It was nearly full in the theatre watching the live stream. Um, in addition to the nearly 200 people who were able to access the, the public seating there. And um, and yeah, it was everything I hoped for and more. In fact, on the, on the first uh, finals night, um, the noise was so great. I just, I just started laughing. I, just couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't believe what was going on around me. You know, I was kind of, uh, in a way, a bit more focused and a bit less, uh, like going crazy than a lot of other people because I was, I was hurriedly noting down, um, uh, split times and that sort of thing and positions after certain, you know, trying to get all the information that I would be able to tell, enable me to tell the story um afterwards on our pages but um I, yeah i was just inevitably caught up in the excitement of it all and i mean the fact that guernsey did superbly well uh in the meeting um was was just like an added bonus but what really gave it so much joy was that you had pockets of fans from many different islands just really backing their own swimmers and swimmers from all islands posting uh, not just uh, occasionally games records but also island records for them you know and that that was um that was delightful to see i mean one of one of my favorite moments was an orland swimmer winning a bronze and and uh you know it, it didn't it didn't really sort of make it into our pages uh in my sport report but um it was picked up in our supplement because the because of a reaction and when somebody responds to an achievement like that um like it's the most unexpected and fantastic moment in their life thus far it just brings home to you what it can mean to everybody yeah oh, brilliant um matt you were heavily involved of course in the coverage uh, for the press in 2003 i think doing a lot of the football reporting then yeah obviously going into these games a lot of people were talking about 2003 how good that had been and, and wondering whether this year would match up to those games what sense do you get of of, of whether this week 
exceeded what happened 20 years ago? Well, I, there are two aspects to it, really, aren't there? There's the competition. Now, it, it was a, a festival of sport and everybody has, has enjoyed the entertainment. Uh, but for the competitors, it, it's very serious sport. Uh, and I think we probably did as well as we could expected, have been expected to do in the medal table. You know, we were talking about it last week or the week before last about how whether we would do as well in the medal table as we did in, in 2003. And I think in it, certainly in most sports, maybe in, in nearly all sports, we either exceeded expectations or got as far, you know, as close to expectations as we could reasonably expect. Um, so that was that was fantastic to see for, for anyone you know enthusiastic about local sport. And then there was the other aspect, which is the, how the island embraced the whole week and the, and the size of the crowds. I think this is very anecdotal, but I think probably Guernsey embraced this games even more than in 2003. And the crowds in 2003 were quite large. But when I saw... I, mean, I, I don't know how many people turn up for football Marathis now, but there were more people at the track watching Guernsey matches, certainly two of them, than uh, go, go to home Marathis now. Uh, that's that's you know, thousands of people. Um, the, to see the crowds at Foots Lane for athletics, pro probably unprecedented. You know, people being turned away from basketball venues an hour before matches start you know the the way in which Guernsey has embraced this games has been I think quite extraordinary and I think everybody who came over from a visiting island had the same impression so that has made it a, a great week of sport for those of us uh, enthusiastic about sport but also just a great spectacle for the whole island yeah I have to say my jaw hit the floor when I got to the athletics on the Monday yeah. um, just the number of people obviously the stand was packed but the, the bank at the bottom of the home straight was you couldn't see a gap uh, and it sort of continued all the way around I mean I, I think there's there's obviously there's sort of two teams really to, to lavish praise on team Guernsey on the athletic front uh, topping the medal table, um, as you say, Matt, 54 golds, 49 silver, 42 bronze, 145 medals in total, and just one short uh, uh, in the gold stakes than, uh, than 2003. You know, we'll, we'll pick out some more moments of the games in a moment and, and maybe go through a couple of the sports that, that truly excelled. And of course, the other team to, to praise, uh, you know, are the organisers and the team that they sort of built around them of volunteers because, um, yeah, there were a few, well, clearly there were some big challenges to overcome in the build-up to the games going back two or three years. Um, you know, a few challenges to overcome during the week. But, yeah, I have to say, um, yeah, the organising was almost flawless. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, clearly so many people have put so much work in uh, and money. The, you know, the sponsors as well deserve an awful lot of credit for making this games happen. So, um, yeah, it, I mean, yeah, we could sort of talk about, I'm, I'm sure, sort of lavish praise on, on hundreds of hundreds of individuals um, who've been putting work into this. Well, let's pick out a few moments of the games then. Dale, let me come to you. Well, I mean, my my favourite moment of the entire week was, is, and this is a little bit left field, but um, I, it's not actually a sporting moment in a sense, but it, it, it speaks to that festival of sport kind of uh, atmosphere that there was. Um, I'd finished uh, attending the um, Tuesday night swimming and uh, I had my pages and pages of notes. And I, my task was to uh, condense those into one sheet so that I could come on and do the Facebook Live with you and sort of summarise it. Um, so that gave me a half hour window to pop out to my car in the car park and get some cold pizza out of the boot. <laughs> this was the lavish kind of lifestyle that we were leading at the time. But it was good pizza actually from there. Um, so uh, I, I went out into the car park and it was just getting dark. And I could the wind had just started to get up. And um, I could hear very distinctly Paul Ingrall uh, at Foots Lane in, in sort of snatches as it came up on the breeze, to, uh, telling um, the uh, giving information to uh, the Foots Lane crowd. And by the way, what a brilliant job he did throughout the games to in ensure that everyone who turned up to the athletics knew what was going on. Uh, very well researched. Um, and uh, but, it, but it just gave me this uh, feeling of, as I say, a festival of sports. I'd been in this swimming bubble for the previous three hours. And, uh, you know, in, enveloped in all that. And there had been tremendous excitement, records, golds, everything. And then it just it was just a, a reminder that that was just one bubble. And that there were, you know, 14, more than 14 bubbles that were going on in the same way with excitement in venues all over the island. And, and it just it made me feel like that feeling I've had at Glass 
Glastonbury in the past, where you know you're at a great, you're watching a great band, and then you move away from it, and you realise there are like thirty odd other amazing experiences going on all at the same time, and that, so that was. That was my favourite moment, I think. But, um, you know, I should probably mention a sporting one or two as well. So I'll pick out a couple. That um, One was um, Ola Raby finally communicating to her sister Ailish that they'd beaten the uh, game's record for the 4 by 100 metre um, re- uh, medley relay because um, it, it was so loud in there that they couldn't get it across to her. And her reaction to that, yeah. you know, and for the two sisters to, to achieve that together was just awesome. Um, and then the other was um, being somebody who goes to Foots Lane regularly to, to run around in circles in the Lee Merrion Running Club, uh, not to any great standard <laughs> in my case, I have to say. It was jaw-dropping to watch Rachel Franklin from the Isle of Man uh, go round and, and um, run at that pace for that length of time and uh, beat the game's record by 40 seconds. I mean, that's three seconds a lap better than anyone's ever done it in the Ireland Games before. That's probably 15 to 20 metres per lap better. It is mind-blowing, you know. Uh, Okay, she's not a world record holder, so there are other runners in the world who can do it quicker, but to to be there in the flesh and see that done was amazing. Yeah, awesome. Uh, Matt, you had a different role, obviously, this week. Um, Are you able to pick out a moment or, or something that kind of captured the Games for you? Well, yeah, I mean, when every evening we were kind of judging who to put on the front page of the press and actually you know we we uh, we weren't short of options because of the the standard of, of performance of, of Guernsey athletes I think probably the two uh Della's mentioned all Arabi I mean I think she she I interviewed her on Friday and, and she went into the games carrying injuries uh she she did her cruciate ligament uh in the autumn um and so uh, you know she has been quite restricted um, even going into the games and, and she has to have surgery next week. And I think to overcome that and to end up with, uh, you know, the, the most gold medals of any Guernsey athlete is quite an extraordinary achievement. Uh, and Sam Culverwell, uh, you know, those, those two road races and on, I wasn't in town on, on Friday, but I, I think he, he, he won by quite a margin, didn't he? Um, so and there's that. I think that was probably one of our best front pages with with him with his arms out and his Guernsey tracksuit and the Guernsey flag, looking as if it was all kind of part of one. Um, so so th- those memories uh, I think are, are quite special. Um, I mean there were there were some disappointments and we might come on to, to talk about men's football uh, in a minute. But um, any of the disappointments are are overshadowed obviously by the the scale of the achievement of Guernsey athletes. That, but there are almost too many uh, to list, aren't there? Yeah, absolutely. Gareth, um, I think the the memory that brings the biggest smile to the face, Tony, is um, at at the Bosey Dome, the, the packed Bosey Dome. But after the um, women's bronze match had finished, uh, with basically the kids lining up to have their pictures taken with Martin Yabsley. You know, we've got this guy who's about six foot eight. He's just a huge, he's a lovely guy, Martin, but he's just a giant, you know. And you've got all these kids who are basically around by his knees and they're just lining up and parents wanting to have sort of selfies with him. And, you know, he's such an accommodating guy. So, yeah, not a problem. And he was having all that. And it was just a really, really nice thing to see, you know. And um, it actually reminded me a bit of the uh, pitch we had on the back of Abby Galpin after she won her gold in the 200 metres, which, you know, she'd been aiming for with a lot of pressure on Abby because she was like the, the athletics poster girl of it. And, she performed brilliantly that night and just that picture of her high-fiving a junior member of the Guernsey Athletics Club and they were all lined up giving her high fives and that sort of encapsulated the, the spirit of the games for me. Um, yeah, those, those are sort of like a couple of the things that brought uh, a smile to my face. Um, the one thing that brought perhaps a bit of a lump to my throat was also that same Friday morning was when um, uh, Pat Oja managed to sort of uh, substitute off Emma Webb just before the end of the um basketball match finishing and he, and she didn't want to come off I think Emma wanted to finish her games career on court but Pat very seriously said to it no you're coming off because I want you to have a standing ovation it wasn't I want the team to have a standing ovation I want you to have one and um, Emma's not really a, she just smiled as she came off oh all right then and it, the place erupted you know you've got this legend of Guernsey basketball who was part of the gold medal winning side of 20 years ago um, she's going to be heavily involved now in badminton uh, um, in basketball administration and just the whole place was just standing to her to to sort of acknowledge what she'd done for Guernsey basketball. And it was just it's just a lovely moment, you know. Um, and just uh, just one highlight of me, sporting wise, away from perhaps all the the adulation they were getting. Um, I've got to have a word for Jamie Blondell. His bogey free round of seven, uh, 67 
on Wednesday in really tough conditions at Landcrest. To go around Landcrest when the rough is brutal at the moment, the wind is sort of force five, force six, and to not have a bogey on your card is absolutely incredible. Um, the fact that Joe Hacker, who's going to be probably turning pro in a year's time, went on to win gold, showed how good he was, and he was only one over par for the whole tournament, which is, which is phenomenal golf. But for Jamie, who'd had a sort of like a, a disappointing end to his first round, he was going quite well, and then he had back to back double bogeys. To respond to that by shooting a 67 bogey free was absolutely incredible, and um, it, it was great that it was Jamie. He's such a nice guy as well. He's he's one of the most popular golfers around, and um, he thoroughly deserved his his silver medal and played a huge part, obviously, in in Guernsey's team gold in that event. Going back to that um, Abby Galpin, um, 200 meters, she did an entire lap, didn't she? High fiving all the kids, and yeah. I was there with my 10 year old. Uh, who was too shy to put her hand up. So, and Abby said, I'm not getting your hand then. And then out it came and <laughs> gave her a high five. And then, you know, walking back to the car, my daughter was talking about how, you know, she wouldn't be old enough to compete in the next two Island Games. Where would the Island Games be after that? <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't talk, spoken about this in the past. Then she said, well, you could do bowls, Daddy, because you're old. <laughs> so <laughs> so there's, there's that stereotype for them. Uh, yeah. Children, I think, played a really important role, didn't they, this mm. week? The, the organisers put a lot of effort into going into schools and encouraging children to become involved. There was one day I I went home for about an hour before coming back to the office and and my wife said that our daughter had gone, cycled with friends to go to Footslane and watch athletics. And I mean, she has never shown any kind of interest (laughs) in, in that previously, but that was an example of the way in which the games did capture thousands of people who are not normally sports fans. And I think children have played quite a big role in that. You know, schools have embraced the games. The organisers worked hard to enthuse children. And they then dragged a lot of their parents along. Uh, and and that contributed to the whole spirit and atmosphere of the week, I think. Yeah, and uh, um, along the similar lines, um, there, uh, my sister-in-law is on, on the staff at Lamar de Cartre, and um, she was telling me that they had... Uh, the live stream on from the athletics when a pupil from their school, uh, Darcy Hodgson, was uh, in the 800 meters, and you know that, that's a long enough event for an atmosphere to build and excitement to build. And she said the crescendo of excitement, the noise in the school, was just overwhelming, and she she brought to tears by it. Um, and then I dare say she'll be showing off that medal at, at school today. I mean, that's a powerful way to bring it into the schools, isn't it? Yeah, incredible. Um, actually, a couple of those moments that you mentioned would, would make my moments of the games. I think, yeah, the, it was when Abby ran up to uh, the sort of group of kids who were waiting at the uh, sort of far, well, near the kind of where the starting line would be for the normal 100 metres. Yeah. Um, uh, and they were just b- bouncing up and down. They were They were just like hopping with excitement literally and then yeah sort of she ran up and, and gave every one of them a high five that's that was awesome i completely agree about that four by one medley relay in the pool the reaction of ailish uh raby to the what well, won the result and also yeah then being uh, told that it was a games record and the reaction of her teammates um in particular orla who was just looked as happy as she had done throughout the whole week uh, for her sister, you know, having already won the sort of a n- numerous uh, gold medals and individual golds as well. And then when they got out poolside and um, and kind of gathered together for a hug with uh, Sarah Parfit, uh, who was uh, very, very emotional, uh, uh, kind of witnessing what they'd just done. Um, that was awesome. Yeah, uh, one of Pete's best photographs of the whole yeah. week, I think, was uh, the, the, them and, of course, the other team members. We should mention Laura Lacroix and Tatiana Tostavin. I mean, you know, what, what a result and what an occasion for them. And uh, Sarah Parfit was uh, quite rightly, uh, you know, able to uh, celebrate a great games. Yeah. Because it did so well. Yeah, well, we should use that opportunity actually to, to praise the work of all our photographers, shouldn't we? Pete Franklin, Sophie Raby and Luke Leprevo have done an uh, absolutely sterling job throughout the week. It's just uh, just on a personal level, yeah. You, you, you spend three hours at a sporting event. You then sort of torture yourself over what words you're going to use to tell the story and do it justice. And then you file it off. And then the next day you see it next to just a stunning picture that it just brings the whole thing to life it's it's a joy to see really they've done a sterling job yeah the emotion of the week actually is is, is one thing that will stay with me um among a few of the athletes i mean lots of the athletes but a few in particular who've you know in, in this job following guernsey sport you know you get to know uh some of these guys and girls quite well or you know you, you you're, you're there at a lot of a lot of different moments and um 
seeing Hannah Breo win that time trial gold and, and her emotion at, uh, at having uh, surpassed the achievements of her dad 20 years ago was really striking. Speaking to Sam Colwell after he won the road race, someone who's had just the worst luck at, at, at really important times in his career, but who has just given so much uh, it is in his young career already to, to get to where he is. Um, the sort of the, the, just the joy on his face and the joy of his of his uh, sort of teammates um, at his victory in the road race in St Peter's was was just uh, was so, just so special and then Abby Galpin as well as you say delivering on that that pressure um, to win the two hundred meter gold having missed out on the hundred meters to someone who won twenty years before uh, Sarah Viss. <laughs> There's been some extraordinary story, yeah. stories, haven't they? Yeah. That was a brilliant night, wasn't it? Because there were so many people there and there was there was a sort of tinge of disappointment obviously that that cam uh, chalmers yeah, didn't win gold in the the 400 meters albeit equally in the game's record uh with his time that abby missed out on her 100 meters joe chadwick as well just missed out um in in the men's 100 meters but there were just some brilliant stories that night sarah Viss, yeah repeating her 100 meter success of 20 years ago which is astonishing and um yeah jonas isaacson from the pharaohs who who is undoubtedly the kind of the visiting star of these games 17 years old uh, and and you know well i think he said not 18 till november um shattering the 400 meter games record probably would have shattered the 200 meter games record had there not been that timing mishap a couple of days later and and someone you know who you would think um will go on to 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 be a, a you know an international star potentially so um for denmark yeah i i, I want to say about that that um one or two people that i sort of spoke to afterwards who you know you people are always involved in watching one thing and then they're catching up on oh did you hear what happened in the athletics and that and that and um you know, the, the, I, th- I can't remember exactly how it was put, but it was something like, oh, we didn't have such a good night at the athletics and that, because we'd won a few silvers rather than some golds that had been expected. And I I just, I, I kind of rail against that kind of thing because it was, um, it was a, a, a few individual performers coming to Guernsey in fantastic shape and obviously having put in extraordinary work and producing on the night something extraordinary which um Jorgen Pettersson had said on a, when you interviewed him you know it's it's up to all the other islands to bring their best and challenge Guernsey because that's how you you improve your friend you know as, as he put it um and I, I I think if you come along to Foots Lane produce a time like Cam did and then somebody else is good enough to beat you I'm sure he wasn't. Uh, I'm sure. Okay, he would have wanted gold, but I'm sure he w- wasn't sort of beating himself up, thinking we've done badly tonight. Mm. He would have been celebrating the the fact that he's run next to this kid who's going to be a world star, probably. You know, if he carries on his progression like that. Um, so I, it's it's sport is to be celebrated, and you sometimes you just got to tip your hat to the opposition and say that was amazing. Yeah, and thrilled for Cam Chalmers at the end of the week to get that four by four hundred meter relay gold um, alongside uh, you know an amazing Guernsey team. Um, well, they were great relays all round, weren't they? But um, I think the margin of victory in that was uh, was something to behold. Mm. Um, yeah, just to mention, uh, yeah, just the sports as a whole that have done so well this week. I mean, shooting um, finishes top of the Guernsey medal table, 16 golds, nine silver and eight bronze, 33 medals in total. An amazing effort from all of them that week. It's a very, it's quite a difficult sport to follow shooting for a number of reasons. I mean, it's you know spread all around the island, so many different disciplines. Um, but yeah, but they've almost sort of been quietly performing uh, kind of unbelievably well. Um, and, and congratulations to all of them. Obviously, we've mentioned swimming 10 golds there in a, in a hall of 32, which is a huge improvement on four years ago. Um, they won two golds uh, in Gibraltar uh, in 2019, kind of always seemingly missing out on the, you know, just g- getting silver just behind the winner. But to come back in, um, and take 10 golds was phenomenal. The psych- well, athletics, we mentioned the cyclists as well as, as a team were incredible how well that sport is doing. Um, triathlon as well, three golds um, for them in the week, um, sort of dominating the long distance triathlon on the opening Sunday, which kind of really set the stall out. Uh, there were great gold medals uh, at the table tennis as well, on the, at the tennis on the final day for Lauren watson Steele, kind of leading the way there. Uh, Andy Bridgman as well in the sailing, um, a long week uh, they had out in the water. And, and you know, that basketball women's bronze, you know, probably is as meaningful given what, uh, what kind of occurred at the Bosey Dome and the atmosphere there, Gareth, probably as meaningful as any of the other medals of the week. Well, yeah, I actually sort of said to Pat Ozier at the culmination of that match, it's sort of like, um, did you feel almost that you had to give the crowd something back, you know, give them that medal to cheer? And, and he sort of, well, yeah, we wanted to because the atmosphere there was just something so extraordinary that um, it sort of carried you throughout. I mean, I'm sure it gave Guernsey an, an energy they probably didn't even know they'd had in them. 
Um, but yeah, to to come down to it, I mean, obviously there's disappointment when you don't win a semi-final, but you get that second chance, but you still have to perform again. And um, to raise yourself from the disappointment and then the next morning come out and play, their final 15 minutes, the Guernsey women produced in that um, bronze medal match was as good as they played all week. In fact, it was, it was probably uh, 10% better than anything they'd produced all week. And um, certainly uh, just the noise, there was one time Pat Oger isn't the most demonstrative. Um, when things are going their way, perhaps when things aren't going their way, he can get a bit, uh, can get a bit frustrated. But when um, Emma Sykes lined up one three-pointer and he had his hand raised knowing that it was going to drop because that momentum had built and the noise and the way he reacted, the, the fist pump as it dropped, was just that was something that will remain with everyone in that um, arena for, for so long. And uh, yeah, it, 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 did, it felt more than a bronze. You know, it, it's sort of like to get a place on that podium, which was such a tough competition as well. It, it felt like it was a victory. And um, that's, that's how it was sort of uh, responded to by the crowd that morning. And, and to go back to the, uh, the shooting, because you mentioned that, you know, it's topped the table in terms of the, the earning, earners of medals for Guernsey. Um, I'd make the point that shooting is shooting. <laughs> By which I mean that, you know, I've, I've shot at Fort Lamarchan and I've shot at Bisley and there's no difference. There's no home advantage in shooting as far as I can tell. You know, whereas uh, Sam Culverwell and Hannah Breyer will have been really determined to make their home advantage count because they know those roads like the back of their hands and they can practice on them. And the golfers know Lancrest like no nobody from the Falklands can ever hope to. Um, so in some sports, there's some home advantage. But but in others, there just really isn't. Even in swimming, you know, Santalina have got a 33 and a half, a 33 and a third metre pool. <laughs> you know, they, they were having to do maths in their head to figure out how many lengths they still had to go. Um, so, yeah, and, and with shooting, there is none of that. And yet, somehow, in all these different disciplines, okay, Guernsey has had a long and proud tradition of, of shooting success for, for decades, more than a century. But uh, for them to bring home that number of medals is, is you know, it's something that I think uh, should they should be rightly celebrating. Yeah, and just to put some of that into context, as well, if you look at the, the entry list of those shooting events, every island has shooters turn up. You know, there's certain events where perhaps the British Isles are more are stronger in, and you don't see perhaps many from Scandinavia or whatever. Shooting just um, brings in competitors from every island so the the actual competition is fierce and like you say yeah you don't really have that home fan advantage that's for all because you you've got your your earmuffs on and what have you in your <laughs> shooting so um, yeah it's uh, all about concentration and then to, to come out with the the medal hall we did was phenomenal yeah just to pick out a few of the individuals um from that andy toro three individual golds um for him and he got the honor of carrying uh, guernsey's flag at the closing ceremony i think now by a distance uh, our most decorated island games um sports person and Tara Leighton Dyson as well um, in the sport pistol. A couple of individual golds for her. Rob Waters in the full bore and Luke Malchich in the air rifle as well, doing well individually, but so many team golds as well for Guernsey across the board in the shooting. Um, so yeah, a huge congratulations to them on a, uh, on a, a great week. The moments of the week, uh, almost too numerous, I think, to mention, uh, kind of geographically spread across the island, across the sports. Um, they'll be popping into our heads, I'm sure, into everyone's heads uh, over the, the coming days and weeks. Um, Matt, one of the disappointments of the week came at the football, certainly not in the support that Guernsey enjoyed, um, particularly the men, but but in the results, um, bowing out in the uh, in the group stage, um, obviously, uh, yeah, some way below the, the performance and the story of 2003. How disappointing will that be? Do you think to, to those involved and, and to yeah to the to football in the island? Oh, I think look the the, the games week was uh, overwhelmingly positive and to be celebrated. But uh, you know we we need to report on uh, underperformance as as well as achievement. And I think almost everybody would accept that the the, the men's football performance was was the biggest underperformance the biggest disappointment of the week uh it started um ominously really against the western isles although we did win one nil but we played poorly and, and tony vance uh, said afterwards we would need to improve considerably if we were going to go very far in the tournament um we beat orland uh, and and orland were not a terribly strong side and then we lost against the Isle of Wight and we, we were 2-0 down. We could have been 3-0 down if they hadn't missed a penalty. And the performances were, were really quite poor. I mean, we we were a mile away from where we were in 2003 when we won gold. Now, I haven't watched enough senior football in recent years 
um, to make a judgment about you know how how far we perform below expectations. But certainly, um, the the distance between 2003's gold medal winning team and and last week's performance was was considerable. And you know all, all the indications are that I think football men's football does face some really quite serious challenges in Guernsey. If you look at our Island Games record, going back, I mean, right back probably 25 years, which is how long we have taken the Island Games very seriously uh, in Guernsey football, you know, our performances have been of a very high standard. You look at gold medals, you look at semi-finals that we'd reached in Guernsey and away from Guernsey. Uh, You know, we won the gold medal um, in Jersey's backyard. So to be eliminated in the first round in our own home island games is as disappointing as it could be. Uh, the performances were poor um, and the outcome was was just so disappointing. And I don't know, I, more than 3,000 people were there, at least for, for two of the matches. Uh, and, you know, th- they were left feeling very, very deflated. Uh, and and I, I think that there is now a, a significant um, questions that Guernsey football needs to ask itself. Yeah, and I think those questions have been have begun to be asked or have been asked for a little while, haven't they? Um, it doesn't appear, uh, Gareth, that, that there's a huge amount of appetite from from the clubs in general to to tackle some of the structural things that that, that potentially are holding Guernsey football back because, you know, the, the sort of the inquest began, didn't it, after the Marathi this year, the Marathi defeat at Foots Lane. Um, sort of disappointing or poor results against Jersey in the age group Matty's overall um, yeah, defeat in the senior Matty uh, and then yeah, disappointing the Island Games. Do you think that this will tip the scale in terms of the, that appetite for, for change? Uh, not not necessarily, Tony. I mean, sort of almost understandably the, the clubs fight their own corner. You know, they've got um, their own objectives and what they want to achieve and um, it might all just depend on sort of how other sports progress because of the support they received and because of the success they've had. You know, I mean, if, if football starts losing kids to other sports because of that, um, they'll have to sort of sort their house out a bit because, yeah, like Matt says, going out in the first round of, of your home island games, um, it makes it hugely forgettable and also makes um, kids perhaps look in other directions as to what they want to do in, in future. So, um, yeah, they're... I, I think there has to be change if we want to be a successful representative side. Um, how quick will that come about? I, I don't see it happening in, in the very near future, that's for sure. Yeah, I think to make just one counterpoint to, to the, the, the criticism, I think you know, the Island Games, the format of the Island Games football tournament is pretty unforgiving, isn't it? Um, there is no margin for error. Uh, you know, Guernsey won the first two games and... and but for kind of one slightly miscued Ross Allen shot that you'd back him to score kind of 19 times out of 20 at the death, they would have gone through and, and faced Jersey in the semi-final. I mean, it, it's obviously galling that, that Jersey won, uh, went on to win uh, the men's tournament. Um, although, yeah, as you say, we did it in Jersey in 2015. So, um, you know, it, it, it's one all there. Um, but I don't think it's any surprise Jersey won. You know, they, they are you know, I'll say a footballing powerhouse at the moment, but, it, but the sort of Jersey juggernaut rolls on and they've got... Uh, a good setup. They've got a considerably bigger population. Um, the population growth in Jersey over the last thirty years um, is, is, you know, has taken them from what what should be favourites to heavy favourites. I think in these events, um, and they delivered on that. So um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, it's a t- it, it will be a tough one to take though. Yeah, but I, I think that there is a trend of decline. If you if you think I, Tony Vance has produced his own statistics, hasn't he, about Marathi performances through the decades. Uh, but if you take the period from about 2000 to 2015, maybe slightly before then, although we won the gold in that year, um, there, that was a kind of a, a bit of a golden period for Guernsey football. If you look at our Island Games records, particularly, and, and now we, we had some really good Marathi uh, victories in, in the early part of this century. Um, and statistically there has been quite a decline since then and that period was marked by growth in the our, our island team we were initially play, playing in something called the southwest counties championship we went from a from a team that played uh, together a few times a season in preparation for a marathi to a much more organized setup but there was a very close relationship in that era between the guernsey representative team and the club teams it was the days when the Guernsey Football Association was still 
essentially made up of the clubs and there was just a, a, a much closer relationship there was some friction because there always is but i think that relationship has become very frayed in recent years um, and that perhaps has to be a kind of starting point for how guernsey football moves forward from here you know we we have hundreds of young people playing football it remains you know a very popular participation sport certainly for for children and they are playing in their clubs week in week out and there has to be a close relationship between those clubs and the guernsey football association and the representative sides if that enthusiasm at the young participation level is going to lead into uh, you know high performance at, at what is our elite level uh, and i think if if some of those strained relations are, are not repaired then um we you know we may not quickly come out the other side of of this this trend of of decline i think that there is a danger of of kind of you know overreacting and carrying out an autopsy on the basis of as you say a tournament where you play three games in three days and then at the end of which Isle of Wight were a little bit better than us and they went through and the other three don't so you know it's it is a brutal campaign from from the outset um but it um, I can't remember which Scottish group of islands it was now, whether it was Western Isles, Shetland or Orkney, but I do distinctly remember sort of just asking the question, um, so, yeah, how important is the island games in your footballing calendar? And they said, well, we are on a two-year cycle and that is our peak. It is the most important thing. Um, and I think it is relevant to say that uh, the the man leading our team in this Island Games was a man whose priority, quite rightly, is leading his team for his club, Guernsey FC. And he was only confirmed as the Island Games manager at a very late stage. And, uh, you know, if that's the way that we approach an Island Games football tournament, uh, loading that onto somebody at relatively the last minute, um, then then we shouldn't be too surprised to find that um, it, it doesn't quite work. And I'm certainly not suggesting that he was somehow inadequate in this or that it was a failing of his. But, you know, you'd hope that there'd be a plan in place for Orkney 2025 that would involve having all our ducks lined up in a way that can really get the ball rolling and we can go into it, go into it with a real sense of momentum rather than um, patching up. Yeah, completely agree. I think the coaching staff, despite the result, deserve a lot of credit. Um, Big Fowl and, and, and Tony Vance for, for taking it on. And, you know, two people have given as much to, to island football as anyone else ever probably and um, have to do so week after week yeah. after week for an, another separate separate entity yeah yeah um no clearly disappointing but um yeah it'll be interesting um to see what changes are made uh to yeah as you say to try and get things moving in the right direction um to return to positivity um i think uh it was re really exciting to see at uh, the crowds there for guernsey women's um, matches at the corbett field um unfortunately they couldn't land a win in the week but they came pretty close they they pushed in this one um very close in in the game they played there um they had a great last game in the in the placing match against hitra um real positivity there and and so many positives are coming out of these games i mean it's sort of slightly unrelated but the announcement today that, that guernsey fc is starting a women's side um is fantastic news to capitalize on that momentum with anna govine who led guernsey during those island games alongside katie watson uh, confirmed as head coach of that so that is a really positive uh, news story to come out straight after the games. Um, it was interesting to see Guernsey Basketball putting up a, a post yesterday on Sunday um, saying thanks to everyone that's contacted us about playing basketball and all the future stars inquiries. We've been absolutely swamped, so please be patient while we get back to you. It's going to be a big year for basketball, cementing the Island Games legacy and really moving things forward. So if you want to be involved other than playing, please get in touch via the Facebook page. Uh, yeah, uh, by all accounts, the, the inquiries for, for people wanting to get their kids into the future stars program has kind of been off the charts so um yeah there is a, there's some really exciting stuff that's going to come out of this week um our front page today matt um don't throw it all away uh, is the headline and and uh, the story um kind of talking about the pressure now on esc to re uh, reverse uh, proposed funding cuts to the sports commission do you think that pressure of this week will uh, will come to bear on on that potential decision well i think the, the legacy of this games has to be about participation really doesn't it because we're very fortunate in Guernsey with our sports facilities. You know, some past Island Games hosts have had to invest a lot in facilities. Actually, we, we did before 2003. We're probably one of the few islands who could host an Island Games, you know, at very short notice because our facilities are in, are in pretty good shape. Um, but 
when you've seen all these hundreds of, of children embracing sport, you know, running up to, to our local athletes, wanting um, autographs, you know, the, their level of enthusiasm, that has now got to be captured because not all of those children will be immersed in sport every week. A lot of them won't be. Um, and the Sports Commission is doing a lot of, of work at that kind of participation level. Um, uh, and their funding um, is obviously under threat. Education, sport and culture have said they intend to cut uh, in about, by about two thirds the funding the Sports Commission receives annually to deliver the island sports strategy. Yeah, I mean, my sense is that there is now going to be huge pressure on ESC to reverse that cut. It will go to the States in a two-stage debate, which starts this week and will continue in September. And my sense is that if ESC don't reverse the cut themselves, the States will force it on them. Because, you know, if, if you're a politician and you've just seen the island embracing the island games in the way we have, you know, who really wants to be associated with, you know, the, the very first thing that happens after the island games is you make a significant cut to funding for sport. So I think the the, the games will have will have um, will have made it much more difficult to carry that cut through, uh, and more likely that it's reversed. But it, it's a decision the states will have to make in the next few weeks. Do you think the success of the games will give sport that kind of uh, that sort of protective wrapper for for a little while going forward? I mean, how long will the will that will it last in the memory in that sense to to kind of you know to to get political backing for it? Well, sport in Guernsey is underfunded relative to funding for sport in in many of these other islands who have been competing this week. So, you know, it isn't as if uh, sport is luxuriously funded in Guernsey. It it isn't. It never has been. Uh, But in recent years, there has been some additional resources, you know, made available to the Sports Commission. And they have raised millions of pounds privately off the back of the kind of platform of, of states funding that's been provided. Uh, I, I mean, it would be um, unwise and it would be slightly surprising, I think, if politicians disregarded all of that um, when sport is, is not, uh, you know, lavishly funded to start with. Uh, and, and, if, and if they do, I think there will be um, a, a lot of v- very justified criticism. But the states are facing significant financial challenges. Um, and, and if sport doesn't, you know, take a portion of the cut, I suppose, you know, some, somewhere else will have to. But it must have made it hard. Last week must have made it harder to deliver cuts in sports funding now. To play devil's advocate, I mean, if you've got, as we just heard, kids lining up to get involved in basketball as a direct result of going to see exciting matches at Beaux-Jour, is it not possible that the legacy of these games can be a massive uptake in sporting participation, which arguably is more important than winning medals, um, regardless of how much taxpayers' money is actually ploughed into um, funding the Sports Commission? Well, that's true, of course, but you need facilities, you need coaches... Uh, and th- those things cost at least some money. You, th- that that kind of stuff can't be provided for free. It, you need a sporting infrastructure um, if you're going to harness the the enthusiastic participation. Um, and we are we have structurally and historically been underfunding sport. And despite that, we have been you know we are punching above our weight. Um, but you, you look look at the standard of facilities that we provide and the hours that coaches give up. Uh, you know that that needs funding, and it isn't all going to be funded by the private sector. It isn't all going to be funded by charitable donations. Uh, government needs to step up and provide at least the kind of seed funding for sport. Uh, and the sports commission has been doing that more and more in recent years. Uh, and and has set out the, the the consequences if if its budgets are cut uh, is that almost certainly it will be able to raise less money privately if if states are not seen to be providing you know a, a platform for funding and some really quite important sports programs uh, will have to be cut and and you know I I think that would be um, unfortunate at the at any time but it would be particularly untimely in the wake of all the effort. And all the enthusiasm we have seen uh, in the Island Games last week. Yeah, I think it's horrific timing, to be honest. But it'll be, uh, but could be ideal timing as well um, uh, for anyone who 
who values sport in the island that, that this has kind of come along <laughs> just in the week that uh, politicians will discuss that. So um, I think one of the other um, kind of outcomes of this as well is 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 an awareness and an appreciation and appetite for sports tourism to be backed. I'm mean, speaking to people in town on Friday afternoon, the fantastic Friday, which saw the half marathon, uh, the town centre criterium cycling and the triathlon relay take place uh, with big crowds, despite the um, despite the very dodgy weather forecast and, and, and the dodgy weather that was delivered. Yeah, I think that has demonstrated that... And, and, and you know it's something like, you know, we some of us you know, have long known and, and have long been kind of calling out for but yeah, I think Guernsey and, and on an artistic front Guernsey has to a certain extent a broad paucity of big events that bring the whole island together there, and that's not to say there are lots of fantastic things that have happened and lots of energy has gone into it but you know St Peterport is a great place to host these kind of things um potentially now or you know I, I don't want to see us wait another 20 years for something like this to come back um if there is any money there an appetite and 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 you know the right events can be brought to the island to have something like that on an annual basis maybe rotating through a few different sports um would be fantastic um gareth do, do, do you live in hope about that um i do tony i, I think you're right in that sport can does bring people together in in that way i'm not sure if you'll get someone willing to do a, a two and a half thousand people coming over here sort of annually but um no it it's certainly in in terms of legacy you know it's, it's that word i suppose for these sort of events you, you want to just see that momentum built upon you know it's it's uh, it's not a case of well this happens once every 20 years now let's forget about it for the 19 years in between um yeah if we can get some some decent events over um which will bring more people to the island um it's still that that bugbear of mine i mean i was at the airport not that long ago and i was heading off island to go and see an ashes test match and i was asked by one of the surveyors there sort of um, what's taking you off island well i'm going i'm going to away for sport reasons oh i'll put that down as leisure then you know people don't quite get the fact that so many people actually come here for sport reasons it's not just oh it's leisure because leisure can encapsulate so many different things so many people come here for for football for rugby for athletics for so many different reasons and um yeah i i think uh, if that can be built upon and, and if we can bring more events to the island that can only be a good thing yeah great news as well down at the bowls uh, alison merriad announcing uh, during the games week that that Guernsey secured kind of hosting rights for the world indoor bowls championships next year i think so um involving a yeah probably a very big contingent of bowlers from all over the world um so that's really exciting to see um Right, I mean, I think that's just about it. Uh, a quick word for Orkney 2025, because it's going to be a tough act to follow. But of course, it'll be a very different uh, games for them. The first time that they'll have hosted uh, this event. Um, some sports uh, coming back into the games um, for that. Squash, I'm sure will be very excited um, to be involved. Gymnastics as well. Lawn bowls uh, in the mix for Orkney in a couple of years' time. But of course, because of the, the nature of it, some sports missing out. No basketball, notably, um, you know, from a shooting front, a, a much uh, condensed programme. I think just the clay uh, target competitions there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, that's another thing, I think, for some of the sports to think about. And, and hopefully the work is going on is, is, yeah, is how do you keep up that momentum? And particularly basketball, the huge crowds there and the enthusiasm. Um, you know, they hadn't played for as a Guernsey side for a number of years um, and they don't want to leave it for six years to have something like that again. So it's whether sports can come together and host their own events alongside the Island Games. Um, you know, for basketball, maybe it's, uh, you know, returning to some sort of English competition. Um, I don't know. But yeah, two years to go to Orkney. Um, we also had the roadmap confirmed by the IAGA uh, for the next few years after that, as we knew, Innismon will host in 2027, the Isle of Man, the preferred bidder uh, or the preferred bid for 2029 and the Faroe Islands uh, lined up for 2031, uh, which is quite exciting. That's uh, already going in my calendar. Definitely due a non-British host, I think, after Gibraltar, uh, Guernsey, uh, Orkney, and uh, then, as you say, Innismon. Then, uh, yeah, and uh, and that, then that, the Isle of Man. Oh, oh missed out the Isle of Man. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's blind. That's that's a, a lot of British places to go to, and uh, I'm sure the Faroes will be a uh, fantastic. Uh, uh, experience whether any of us will still be around this table at that point. <laughs> we'll have to wait and find out, don't we? I interviewed the uh, guy who he's, he's a member of the Scottish Parliament for Orkney, but he chaired their bid committee for for the Island Games 2025 or 23, as it was originally, uh, and, and the pandemic put them back by two years, of course. And it's going to be a very, very different Island Games in Orkney. I mean, it's a population of just over twenty thousand. 
Um, so, you know, they, they will have all kinds of additional um, accommodation constraints. Uh, the, because their population is smaller, they obviously have a, have a smaller pool of volunteers, potentially. Uh, although Jorgen Pettersen, the chairman of the International Island Games Association, made the point to me on Friday that that may mean that Orkney embraces the games even more than a larger island would because a larger proportion of their population will have to become directly involved. Uh, but, it, you know, it will have a very different feel from the uh, the Guernsey games. And in, to some extent, it will it will be a, a kind of smaller operation, rather like Shetland was uh, in 2005. Uh, but they are they're very committed. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're putting funding in their organizing committee is working very hard uh, and, and they're looking forward to welcoming the games as as we have been for, for several years. Yeah, brilliant. Looking forward to it already, I have to say. Um, I suppose all that remains is to say, well, thank you to uh, everyone who made this thing possible. Um, so much work uh, went into it. So I just, as someone who loves Guernsey and loves sport, um, it's just about the best week uh, that, that I've probably had at work. Um, and it's been fantastic to see the reception as well for, for our Guernsey Press coverage, um, both online and in the paper as well. The enthusiasm around the front pages, which kind of built up a momentum of their own over the course of the week, was, was fantastic to see. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure. I think the list of people who deserve credit probably runs to about 63,000, <laughs> I would think. <laughs> Well, our coverage not quite over uh, for these games and there will be more in the paper in the coming days and weeks, I think, reflecting on the successes and, and picking up some of the, the stories uh, of the week. Um, so make sure you pick up a Guernsey Press six days a week. Uh, make sure as well you're following us on social media at GSY Press Sport and at Guernsey Press, uh, the place to go. We'll be back every Wednesday with the Guernsey Press Sport podcast. So keep an ear out for that and uh, make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you get your shows. Uh, we'll leave it there. Thanks very much, guys. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Thank Cheers. you.